Welcome to the Fern Podcast, As the Season Turns. Released on the first of the month, each episode will be following the changing landscape of the seasons, from the moon and the stars to the tides and the trees. I'm Leah Landers, author of The Almanac, A Seasonal Guide, and this podcast is created by Fern, makers of small-batch organic perfume who blend, barrel-age and bottle four fragrances a year, released at the equinoxes and solstices. We hope that this brief guide to the month ahead will awaken you to the rhythms of the year and help you to settle deeper into the seasons. December takes us full circle, down into the depths of the year and then up and out the other side. The dark triumphs, but briefly. This month there are yet more festivals of light and battles of fire and darkness. Hanukkah, Yule and the big one, at least in Britain, Christmas. Before it was Christmas Day, the 25th of December was celebrated as the birth date of Sol Invictus, the Roman god of the sun. And it is thought possible that the date was chosen to underline Christ's role as bringer of hope and light. Just as the longest day at midsummer brought a sense of foreboding, the longest night brings with it great optimism. We feast and light fires, lanterns and candles to ward off the dark. And it works. By the end of December, the gloomiest days are behind us. Landscapes and gardens are all bones now, with just little tufts of leaves clinging to the ends of branches, the last produced of the year, determined to have their allotted time. When sunlight comes, it is weak and lemony, and the countryside is a watercolour wash of flax, buff and beige, with occasional ink crows and telephone lines. Deep frost shadows can linger for days behind tall hedges and hedgerows, the sun never threatening them. The days may be short and cold, but the night is long and beautiful now, with the moon at its highest and clearest, and the stars showing at their brightest. Sometimes it takes darkness to make us appreciate the light. And anyway, you never know what you might see if you step outside on a December night and look up. The Oak Tree in December December is not quite the coldest month, though it is, of course, the darkest. A little of summer's warmth still lingers in the earth, if not in the air. My oak is deeply rooted, no longer a sapling. Its roots are its support in winter storms, and its main source of energy while its branches are bare. We have accompanied this tree through a seasonal cycle, to end where we began in the depths of winter. But it has been hard to forget, this year, that the seasons themselves are changing. Our English oak remains steadfast in the face of accelerating climate change, but that may soon change. We have seen through the year how dependent this complex living tree is on the seasonal rhythms that define its life. The shift of those rhythms may soon spell great trouble for such trees, and so for us. We have come together this year to celebrate our oak tree 
and the seasons it lives by. Going into the new year and the years to come, I hope the sight of an oak will give you pause, a reminder both of what is at stake and of what we can hope to save. This morning, walking by my young oak in the park, I revelled in the shapes of its bare branches, twisting intricately towards the light, a winter crown. Sheltering there were many invisible insects, a bright flock of blue tits. A squirrel ran up the trunk and along the branches. Looking closer, I saw many swellings. These are the buds that will burst in the spring. I look forward to this with hope. Bird of the Month, the Wren In many years, wrens are among the most common birds in our landscape, but you wouldn't know it. They owe their success to their ability to thrive in a great variety of habitats, from gardens to remote cliff edges to farmland and heathlands. And they owe their mystery to their diminutive size and their ability to quickly dart in among foliage and hide themselves a trait that has earned them a reputation as tricksters in mythology around the world. At just nine to ten centimetres long, and weighing about the same as a one-pound coin, they are tiny, but not quite the tiniest. The firecrest and goldcrest are smaller. Wrens are exceptionally cute, though, being almost round with short wings and a perky, cocked-up tail. For such little birds... Wrens have a startlingly loud song, lyrical and trembling, with each five-second phrase usually ending in a trill. They can make so much noise from a small body because of an organ called a syrinx, which has a resonating chamber and membranes that amplify the sound and allow them to sing two notes at one time. They can sing right through winter, which is perhaps one of the reasons why they have become associated with winter in folklore. In Dutch, they are called Winterkonig, winter king. In fact, a harsh winter can be very hard on them, and this is when their numbers can plummet. One survival mechanism they have is of roosting together to keep warm. If a wren has found a particularly cosy nook on a cold day, it will suspend any territorial hostilities with other wrens in the area and will make brief flights, putting out a call to announce vacancies. Up to 60 wrens have been seen cramming into a standard-sized nest box, their heads facing inwards, using their body heat to keep each other warm, like tiny penguins. Inside the beehive in December. As the shortest day arrives, activity inside the beehive comes almost to a complete halt. Supplies must be eked out, and that means minimal activity. The colony forms into a winter cluster, a ball-shaped grouping together. The outer bees line up side by side, facing into the cluster, and so creating a thermal layer. Normally, this will be one bee thick, but as temperatures drop, there can be several layers of insulating bees. Within the cluster, the temperature can be mild enough for the bees to move around a little, and 
and eat a little honey, and the bees take it in turns to have a spell inside. In really cold weather, the cluster will contract, maintaining heat in a small area and keeping the bees alive until milder days come. In season, from the hedgerows, woods and fields, chickweed, hairy bittercress, dandelion leaves, sow thistle, wintercress, crabapple, sweet chestnuts, alexander roots, dandelion roots, horseradish roots, Jerusalem artichoke, lovage roots, rampion and wild garlic roots. From the seashore and rivers, mussels, oysters, turbot, black bream and herring. From the kitchen garden, Jerusalem artichokes, cabbages, cardoon, carrots, celeriac, celery, chard, chicory, endive, kale, leeks, lettuce, onions, spring onions, shallot, oriental leaves, parsnips, potatoes, pumpkins, winter squash, salsify, scorzonera, spinach, swede, turnips, quinces, chervil, parsley, coriander, sage, rosemary and bay. From the farms, Stilton, and traditional imports, Vacheron Montdor, truffles, cranberries, satsumas, clementines, pomegranates. Holder is an ancient figure in Germanic and Norse mythology. She is sometimes young and beautiful, and sometimes an old crone. The cycle of death and rebirth is a strong theme in the stories surrounding her, and she is also associated with fertility, womanhood, and winter. Often depicted spinning, Holder rewards hard workers and chides lazy ones, as seen in the Brothers Grimm fairy tale, where she appears as Frau Holl, in this story, she shakes out her eiderdown, and the loose feathers become the first snows of winter. She was also called Weissfrau, the white lady who knitted the blanket of snow. In Norse mythology, she is Hlodin, who gives gifts to women at the time of the winter solstice, or Yule. Yule is her day, but she is also one of the Christmas gift givers in some parts of Germany. Children might leave out milk and bread for her in the hopes of receiving a better present. She is seen as a protector of children, and in some traditions is said to ride out on a wild hunt at Yule, flanked by witches and the spirits of children. Related to this, the Milky Way was known in Middle Dutch as Ronaldenstad, Holder's Highway. Holder belongs to the underworld, but not in the sense of Nordic Hell's underworld of the dead. More an underworld that ripples under the surface of things, like the fairy of English legends. This is referenced in the Frau Hall story, in which a girl falls through a well and discovers a different land. Like Hell, Holder is associated with the Elder Tree, which guards the road to the underworld. Petra Borna, the fern artist for this winter, has created a beautiful cut paper artwork of Holder, which all Ledger members will receive come the solstice. Jobs in the Flower Garden 
Once dahlias have been blackened by frost, it is time to lift them and store them away for the hardest parts of winter. Brush off the worst of the soil, let them dry out for a couple of weeks, and then pack them into moist sand to prevent them from shriveling. In mild areas you can leave them in the ground, but mulch them thickly to protect them from frost. A dry and mild December, should we get one, is a good time for planting evergreen shrubs. If you found you have no access to buried holly in the run-up to Christmas, this would be a good time to remedy it for future years. Ilex aquifolium J.C. Van Toll produces good red berries, while golden Van Toll is much the same but with a gold edge to the foliage. Ilex aquifolium amber has unusual orange berries. Likewise, if you don't have any ivy in your garden to twine around your banisters and run along your mantelpiece, plant some now, as long as the ground isn't frozen, and you'll have plenty next year. Some people consider ivy a pest, but it can soften hard landscaping beautifully, and you can keep it in check by pulling out great reams of it around midwinter every year. Names for December's full moon. Full cold moon, oak moon, moon before Yule. December's full cold moon, which falls on the 8th, is the highest and brightest of the year. In the year-round wrestle for dominion that is played out in the sky between the sun and the moon, the moon is definitely winning right now and shines high, bright and strong over the winter countryside, just as the sun stays low and weak. But of course, December brings the winter solstice, the moment at which the pendulum starts to swing back the other way. Neo-pagans believe that in pre-Christian times, the year was ruled over by two kings, the Holly King, from the summer solstice to the winter solstice, and the Oak King from winter to summer. They had to do battle for supremacy, and the winter solstice was the moment at which the Oak King slayed the Holly King and, like the sun, started to build strength. Perhaps this is some clue to the origin of the name Oak Moon. This December's full moon also falls before the solstice, and so it also takes the name Moon Before Yule. The Cold Winter Moon versus the Warm Summer Moon In winter, the northern hemisphere is tilted away from the sun, but towards the moon. So the sun is low in the sky, but the moon is bright, clear and high. In summer, we are tilted towards the sun, but away from the moon. So the sun climbs high, but the moon stays low and looks more orange as we view it through a thicker slice of atmosphere. The moon will be at its highest, whitest and brightest this month. This year the winter solstice falls on the 21st of December at 9.48pm, when the North Pole is at its maximum tilt away from the sun. At this moment, the sun will be above the Tropic of Capricorn, which is the southernmost latitude at which the sun can be directly overhead. The word solstice comes from the Latin solstitium, which means sun-stopping, as the position on the horizon at which the sun rises and sets stops and reverses direction.
During the course of December, day length in Inverness decreases by 31 minutes, then increases by 7 minutes by the end of the month. In Padstow, it decreases by 21 minutes and then increases by 4 minutes by the end of the month. Average sea temperatures this month. Orkney, 9.1 degrees Celsius. Penzance, 11.7 degrees Celsius. Ritual for December From the Christmas tree to decking the halls, people around the world have long been fascinated by trees at this time of year, wanting to dress them or bring them into the house. This is a hopeful act, adorning sparse branches or the home with the thoughts of spring to come. And it is also a joyful one, which like many midwinter rituals, seeks to alleviate the spell of the long dark with colour and pretty lights. Many of you will be dressing a Christmas tree sometime this month, but my ritual for December looks to living trees, even if they are, for the moment, sleeping. Find some ribbon, or, as they do in Japan, strips of paper, or a little rag of fabric or some coloured string. Take it with you to a favourite tree, preferably one with low-hanging branches you can reach easily. Tie your offering to a branch. As you do this, Try to find something to love in the day around you, whether that's the way the light falls, the buds on your tree, or the look of the sky. This can be a hard time of year, but use this moment to enjoy it for what it is, without remembering summer or spring or autumn, just winter. You can tie as much or as little to your tree as you like, though try to make sure whatever you choose is biodegradable. If you would like to perform this ritual in community with others, look out for tree dressing day celebrations in the first weekend of December. The Dorset charity Common Ground began tree dressing in 1990 and it is now observed by many communities across the UK. In the Fern Studio This month in Fern Somerset Studio the team has been working hard on several very exciting projects. Alongside the upcoming release of Winter 23, a scent inspired by the many greens of winter, the Fern Shop has opened in London's Soho on 23 Beak Street, just around the corner from Liberty. Pop by and whisper the password December and there may well be a little surprise for you. Next year, expect an exciting array of workshops and talks. We hope many of you will come along. Are you searching for a truly unique gift this Christmas time? I'll be placing a golden ticket beneath the tree. Beautifully wrapped, this gold embossed ticket entitles the recipient to a year of fern fragrances or fragrances at either the solstices or the equinoxes and it comes with a lovely little giclée print to open on the day. When 2023 has so many unknowns, I like that this gift will bring joy to one of my family throughout the year, giving them something to look forward to each season, a deliciously scented treat that has become a ritual to unbox. You can purchase a golden ticket at fern.co forward slash gifts. You can find a link in the episode notes.
And for a stocking filler, My 2023 Almanac is available in all good bookshops. As a gift to your local independent bookshop, while so many things are difficult, please buy or order it from them. Thank you for listening to this month's episode. If you've enjoyed listening, please do like and subscribe. All episodes are released on the first of each month. You can read more about the year ahead in my book, The Almanac, A Seasonal Guide to 2022, also available as an audiobook. This podcast has been created by Fern. Fern is an organic fragrance maker based in Somerset. Working with the rhythms of the seasons, they blend, barrel age and bottle four fragrances a year. Each fragrance is made to order for the names on the Fern production ledger. To join the ledger and find out more, visit www.fern.co.